So when you think of the word generosity, what comes to mind? What's the most lavish or incredible gift that you ever received? Don't, you, you could Jesus juke me now. You could say Jesus, that's okay. Um, next to that, next to salvation, like what's the most extravagant, extraordinary gift that you've ever received from someone? Or perhaps an act of sacrifice, right? What's the most extraordinary, generous act that someone has ever done for you? You got it? This isn't the most, but one of them that came to mind was I was, uh, I was a teenager and I liked to collect um, trading card game cards. Think Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh, but far more nerdy, okay? Far more nerdy and uh, not as like worthwhile, meaning they, they didn't appreciate in value like some of those other ones, but they meant a lot to me. And a friend of mine had a, uh, a, a, a ticket to Six Flags Kentucky Kingdom, and he was willing to trade it for a lot of my cards. And I weighed the cost, and I thought, I'd love to go and hang out with my friends, though. A couple of guys from youth group. Let's go. And so I hand them over, and I thought that I, I made a good deal, and I found out later that it was a raw deal. This was not good. It was a bad investment. I didn't look at the ticket. I get to the, the, the ticket counter, they're supposed to let me in, and they're telling me that my ticket's expired. Yeah, yeah, sad times. This is not good, sad times. Um, what's, what's a 15-year-old to do when they don't have a job and allowance is a little thin? In enters the great hero, Phil Barnes. You've never met him, but he's like left an indelible mark on my life. And one of the ways in which was being, um, being mightily gracious and generous with me. Not all heroes wear capes. He didn't ride a, a horse. There was, no, there was no armor on, but he saved the day with his Amex card. And he bought me a ticket and I got to hang out with my friends the rest of the day. This was fantastic, right? And that wouldn't have happened without Phil Barnes being super generous to a kid like me. We're talking about generosity for this entire month. It's the holiday season. You might be thinking, Tim, is this really a good time to be talking about such a thing? You know, we got the holidays coming up. There are a lot of service opportunities here at the church. Like, is this really wise timing? I think so. Let me remind you of who you are and whose you are. The most generous king of the universe, for example, did not tithe his blood for his people. You feel that? In other words, Jesus didn't just give like a little bit of his life. He, he gives his life for his people so that you and I can be made free, walking in liberty, forgiveness of sin to be sure, but also to be freed from the power of sin as well. And he invites us on this adventure to make him known throughout all other places of the universe. If we're Defining generosity, I would define it this way. It is showing a readiness to give more of something 
than is strictly necessary or expected. Let me say that again. Generosity is showing a readiness, a willingness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. It's well established that we are a generous church, especially in terms of financials. I'm I'm deeply encouraged by that. Whenever there seems to be a, a financial need or a financial goal, we seem to meet it or exceed it. I would contest, however, it's easy to give money. What's hard to be generous with is our time and our skill set and our very presence. And so over the month, you're going to hear opportunities about how to be involved, maybe in evangelistic and discipleship efforts outside of the body, outside of our church. You're going to hear about opportunities throughout the month uh, in the foyers about people people, ministry leaders giving you their strongest sales pitch about why you need to get involved. Because we, we got to get involved. But also with, with this over here too. I didn't build this. Um, the, the person that asked me, um, or, or rather the person that did build this asked me not to, not to tell you their name. Um, but his wife's name is Betty and her last name is Heron. And you can, whenever you see her husband, give him a very big hug, okay? We measure things like, like giving for missions, which is good. We should do that. But that's a means to an end, isn't it? We're not just trying to get money, you know. We, we, we want to push people forward and fuel missions and outreach and the, the good stuff, right? What if we measured our marching orders? What if we measured the reason why our church is here? And that is to give the gospel away to people. And so it's titled Our Gospel Encounters because this is a summons for each individual of you, 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 not, not just me, us together, reaching out and talking with friends, not just about spiritual conversations, but introducing them to a Jesus who is far more generous than they could ever imagine. And so what does it look like? I have a ping pong ball in my hand right now. No sleight of hand, I'm not a magician. Um, I wrote a friend of mine, uh, I wrote their name on this. This is Amy. Um, Amy, I've had the opportunity to share the gospel with her. And what it would look like for you is, someone's getting hit, I don't know. I'm just, we're just, we're just throwing stuff into the crowd right now, I don't know. There's like 300 of these they're ping pong balls, so they ain't just going to sail, right? Um, the, the idea of this is after you have a conversation with someone, sharing them with them the good news of Jesus, write their name down. The white one is for gospel conversations that have already happened. Later this week, 
you're going to have the opportunity not just to have white ones, but we're going to have red ones and blue ones as well. Red is for people that after you've shared the gospel with them, that's when they said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust Jesus. Write their name on the ball and then put it in here. You following me so far? And then it gets better. There's a blue one too. Not for red, white, and blue stuff. No, no, no. But blue is for baptism. Blue is for water. So after they follow Jesus, after they trust Jesus, the first act of a, of a believer is to follow Jesus in, in baptism, right? You put their name on that blue ball after they've, been this, after they've been baptized and then drop it in. Fair enough? You following me? Easy, right? It's easy to reach financial goals. How long would it take, do you think, for us to fill this up? A year? Maybe six months? What if we could do it by the end of the year? Does that make anyone else itch right now? The name of the game isn't to blow the doors out of our church, right? The name of the game isn't to just, let's, let's get people to be really generous with their pocketbooks, right? So that we can like accrue tremendous amounts of cash. The name of the game is see people come to faith in Jesus and then help them follow Jesus more faithfully. Fair enough? And so your commission today and the rest of this year to be generous, not just with your money, but with your time and with your skill set. And then next week, we're going to talk about generous gospeling, being generous with your voice in your community. But today we're hearing from Paul about partnering with different groups of Christians and even partnerships amongst each other. So if you're able to, would you stand out of reverence for God's word? I'll start in verse 10. Once we get to verse 14 through 18, would you read that aloud with me? This is what God's word says to us today. I rejoiced, Paul speaking, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. He's Maybe insecure that you, I didn't think you guys were, were thinking of me, but now you have. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Ah, now he answers it. Verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how, I, how, how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And that mostly misunderstood verse here. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Verse 14, would you read this with me? Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, 
no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To him, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word to us this morning. You can be seated. Gospel partnerships are generous partnerships. Gospel partnerships are generous partnerships. If you're taking notes, you'll see the outline in front of you just to recap and reintroduce you to them. First, partnerships that we have both inside the church and and partnering with those that are outside of it, they have to be powered by the gospel. They have to be powered by the gospel. You see that in verses 15 and 16, I believe. Then looking at verses 14 and 17, partnerships, they're, they're directed towards other people, but they're, they're not for us. Our partnerships have to bend outward to other people. And then finally, and most importantly, Our partnerships give worship to God. Our partnerships give worship to God. So let's let's start with the first one. Our partnerships are powered by the gospel, the the letter to the Philippians. It starts off with this, oh, church in Philippi, I love you so much. I care about you. I think about you. And, And then it ends with Paul recognizing and recounting the care that the Philippians have had for him. He can see how they partnered with him. Paul was happy to remind the Philippians of the special bond that this particular church shared with him. And he uses words like partnership. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. This word here, we don't use this particular version of it, but we know the word otherwise pretty well. The word fellowship should come to mind. But fellowship seems rather passive in comparison to the word partnership, doesn't it? When you think of fellowship, what comes to mind? I heard pigging out. I, I heard that distinct, that's, I, I, I hear that. We are a Southern Baptist church. And I defy you to find another group of people on the planet that potluck better than, than us. When you think, typically, when you think of fellowship, you think of oodles and oodles of food or fun and sitting in a particular social setting where we get to hang out and chill and it's going to be great. 
I'm not a massive fan, but I like, I like the Lord of the Rings series. The first book, what's it titled? It's the, it's the Fellowship of the Ring, right? Is that right? Ian, Ian can confirm that. Could you imagine Frodo and Sam and Gandalf and this so-called fellowship of the ring and all it is is this them sitting around like casseroles, right? That doesn't make sense, does it? He's using the formal form of fellowship. That is, it's a group of people bound together around a particular mission. What was their mission? Let's destroy the ring. For Paul and the Philippians, what was their mission? Paul's mission was simple and it was to make God known to the Gentiles. Next question. What is our mission? Our mission is similar. We go and make disciples of all nations and we teach people to obey everything that the Lord Jesus commanded us to do. We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he promises to be with us wherever, wherever, wherever we go. So fellowship in the Bible is partnership. Can you say that with me? Fellowship is partnership. Fellowship is less about eating with one another and it's more about bearing with one another's burdens. Fellowship in the Bible as partnership is less about spending time with one another and more about fighting for them through trials and tribulations. It's about mission. There's a purpose. So fellowship is partnership. And their relationship persisted on even after Paul is gone. He's writing now from a prison cell, you're, you're well aware. And, and, and there are a couple of themes throughout this book that are super important to get. One is joy, but the other one is reinforcing this beautiful relationship that Paul has with the Philippian church. Why would it persist? says that, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, he's remembering, he's reminding them of the first time that they heard and they received and responded and the gospel truth took root in their heart and they were transformed from the inside out. What is the gospel of Jesus? What is the generous gospel given to people like you and me? It is a gospel of grace. When we feasted, when we, when we ate just a moment ago the Lord's Supper, um, sin has come about because we listened to a liar. And from there, all sorts of calamity and strife and chaos has come into the world. And now we've become participants in it. We're not just bystanders. We're not just victims. We actively make wrong choices too. And that wounds people, that harms people. And it brings dishonor to God. But the grace of Jesus is when he dies and rises again, he does it on behalf of you and me. 
He does that as the God of the universe who empties himself, like Paul says earlier in Philippians 2. Who was God, but did not think being God was something to be grasped. So instead, he becomes like a servant. What's more generous than that? What's more generous than that is Jesus is so gracious with you and me that we might not have a great understanding of his mercy and grace and love for us until we start to feel a little uncomfortable with how willing he is to forgive you and me for the things that we do. You follow me? Jesus is so willing to forgive absolutely everything that we've done and will do. Everything. Nicole, sin is just a, a, a little trite bad thing. doesn't grasp the veracity, the, the, the weight of the, of the issue. Jesus is so willing to over to cover over our weaknesses and shame and guilt and fear. But there's never an end to it. That well never runs dry. There's no kiddie pool measuring Jesus' grace for you and me. There's no, there's no rationing Jesus' grace for you and me. How deep is the ocean floor? And how vast are the seas? They pale in comparison to Jesus' love and mercy for me. And it's this gospel that calls fallen people to become like him. This is a grace too, to not just overcome sin, but to also become what we were intended to be in the very beginning. Philippians 2.5, he says, have this mind in you like Christ Jesus had of himself. We become, we take on the role of a servant, ourself emptying ourselves of our own power and our own pride and asking him for deep help because the mission is too big. It's hard enough to live lives of faithfulness against sin. It is an impossibility without God's help to accomplish the mission, let alone follow him on mission. And so our partnership has to be fueled by the gospel. And so we who are grace-filled servants, we seek out partnerships. Partnerships specifically that are bent out towards other people. And this is where we see how the, the, the fellowship is so much more than, than just passive. There's intentionality in this partnership now. And we see it in two ways. First, the Philippians, they lived out their partnership with Paul. They sought to love him very well. You see where it says, they share in my trouble. You see that yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. It literally means to say 
you're fellowshipping with me in my tribulation and trial and pain. We're participating and partaking. They acknowledge that what Paul is going through, it's his own, but they're happy to call Paul's burdens their own too. And so they keep going on with this ongoing partnership. No other church wanted to walk alongside Paul in such a way. What isn't clear, from the text at least, is the financial situation of the Philippian church. Back in the day, Philippi used to be a very affluent and wealthy city. It was a trade city. And it was the go-to place for people that were retiring for the Roman, from the, the Roman military. Once you, once you did your stint, you got a nice little piece of countryside and it was going to be great. It sounds like a sweet deal until the trade routes start to change. And you've driven through like what used to be really big cities before that are not like really big cities anymore. That used to be industrial juggernauts back in the day. And now when you're driving through them, it's like someone just unplugged the, the outlet from the socket and all the lights are out. Philippi used to be powerful and affluent and they're not anymore. And it goes to reason that the Philippian church was not either. In fact, the gospel was mostly received by the poor. But they partnered with Paul even to the point of pain. They were happy to partner with Paul to the point of pain, not out of their plenty, but out of their own need. So we want to be a wise people, don't we? We're instructed throughout the Proverbs to be wise with our time and our money, aren't we? And we would not want to do anything intentionally to put our family in harm's way. Living lives for other people though, and when they're bent out towards other people is an invitation for trouble and pain. Do you feel that? To serve and minister well and to be generous, not just with money, but with time and your presence is an invitation to heartbreak. It's an invitation to be frustrated with people after you've given them sound counsel and you just keep wondering why, why do you keep asking me questions if you're not gonna do it anyway? Partnering with people brings pain sometimes. But I don't see Paul and I, I, I don't see the Philippian church. I don't see them playing it safe, do you? This is not the upward call of God. Jesus summons us to something more than is just status quo and, dare I say, conservative. Jesus summons us to risky stewardship. That's what generosity would look like. 
to risky stewardship? What if instead of playing it safe with resources and time, what if we played a risky game for the sake of the kingdom? It's a real payoff, and this is why we can. Look at verse 17. Paul's not saying be risky for your own sake. Not that I seek a gift, but I, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Paul's not writing because he needs more money. He says later on, hey, I don't need any more. I'm, I'm okay. Don't give anymore. They were exuberant and generous in their partnership with him. But he's telling them that there's fruit, that there's, there's going to be something credited to your spiritual bank account. Don't hear that as if you give to the sparrow's nest. Hi, Kim. If you give to the sparrow's nest, God is going to give you thousands of dollars like after that. Like, that's not how it works. There are clear benefits, though, to partnering with God's people. And the world works a bit differently than the way the kingdom of God does. When you work your 30 or 40 or 50 hours or more, you get a paycheck at the end of that. Or you could be like my friend. He, he's a real estate, not tycoon. He flips houses. He does all right. When do you get paid after you purchase the house, you fix up the house, and then you're supposed to sell the house, right? You only get paid after someone wants to buy the home. The way it works in God's economy, the senior partner lavishes us Junior partners, he lavishes us with generosity. Paul and the Philippians and any missionary that, that we get to fund and any organization that serves lost people and even people here that we get to champion and, and send out God aims to bless and God aims to bless your soul through partnering with them. And it's to be called a grace. God would count it a grace. Philippians 1.7. That's the language of it. You are all partakers with me in grace. God loves first and he gives first and then he invites us then to be blessed by giving and by partnering by partaking in this grace. Also that we can give back to God, not in some way that we could ever think that we could be on the level with giving back to God. And heaven forbid we get the idea of outgiving God. That's an impossibility. But Paul was overjoyed and elated. He got way more than he ever needed. But look at this dude, Epaphroditus. He's mentioned in 18, right? And I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. It's not just money, though. 
Epaphroditus didn't just secure the bag for Paul. What does he do? He says that it is a fragrant offering and a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to his God. It wasn't just a financial decision. It was doxological too. It was a worship decision. Can we champion Paul in such a way because we know that if we give to him, there's going to be fruit that comes from him. He planted church here in Philippi. We know that God will be faithful to use him in planting churches in cities and countrysides too. That's something we can get behind, which means that lost people are going to come to faith in Jesus through fueling his endeavor. And that's what we get to do too. So as a church, I don't know, you, some of you, many of you may even know that we love to give to different organizations. We give to the cooperative program. That fuels missions uh, both domestically and abroad. Pioneer Bible Translation, that's a big deal. Helping lost people who don't have the Bible in their own language. Someone brings the Bible, translates a Bible into their own language so that they can hear God's word to them. That's bananas. Life Point Church. We love Louis. Louis loves you. And Louis's been blessed by you giving faithfully. Missouri Baptist Children's Home. Earlier in the first, right before the first service, I just found out about a different opportunity um, I was made aware of, similar to the George Costanza Fund from Seinfeld. Um, Dan Cregan is also taking up the Dan Fund as well. He only takes dollar bills. Um, No PayPal, nothing like that. Joking, folks. Is this real? What just happened? That was a hard segue. But we also partner with the Sparrow's Nest. And so I could go on about what they do. Rather, I'd I'd ask Kim McKnight to come on up. Kim is the development manager of Sparrow's Nest. And would you welcome Kim for being here today? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Um, before I talk about the sparrows now, so I'm going to take my sparrow hat off for a second and talk um, from my heart. I think God wanted me here today to hear what he was going to say through Tim. I've been dealing with a single mama this week who's going to be evicted tomorrow. And I apologize for my tears. But it has been messy and ugly and broken and... She's dug a deep, deep pit for herself. And so often I have wanted to be like, I'm done. I'm out. I can't do this anymore. But God just brings me back in. I currently have her five-year-old. She has three kids. I have her five-year-old at my house. Um, But it's just an encouragement to hear you be faithful to what God's calling you to speak and encouragement to me to press on and keep helping her dig out of the pit. Um, So, Sparrow, um, I just thank you for 
inviting me to come today and to share about Sparrow. Hazelwood Baptist Church has been faithful financially to us, giving monthly. And we could not be a ministry without partnerships, individuals who give, churches who give. Um, it's a huge, huge part of us staying afloat. Like, we're not connected to one church or one source. Um, so we, Sparrow has had a history here, so I want to back up. We've been changing our programming, so I want to back up a bit so that I can catch you all up. Sparrow um, was founded in 2013 as a teen maternity home. We operated that way until this thing called COVID happened. And um, after COVID, we could not staff. We just struggled, as I think residential places all across the country struggled. Well, we all struggled. But residential, it was hard to find staff. So after a year of trying to find staff, we decided that maybe the Lord has something else for us. Maybe we could step into the lives of these young families in a different way. And so we have done that. And in middle of August, we started a Christ-centered child care cooperative pilot program. So, I know you're all like, what in the world is that? Um, so, a child care cooperative means um, four families that qualify for WIC, they can apply to our program, and if they're accepted in the program, a parent would spend one day at the child care helping, participating in exchange for free childcare for the whole week. So it gives us a day to be with mom or potentially could be dad to model good parenting to um, they will receive an hour of case management. We have a resource closet. So if they need toiletries or diapers or wipes or paper goods or any of the things, um, they can pick up that. And then the rest of the week, they're required to work or go to school at least 25 hours and we will take care of their kiddos. So the benefits are that they, um, it gives the family some stability so they don't have this major childcare cost. They um, get to learn maybe how to parent better. So when your two-year-old's having a tantrum, you don't have to scream at them. There's maybe different ways that we can model for them. Um, we share Jesus with them very organically. Um, so whether it be in the songs we sing, the Bible stories we read, the prayers we pray, the crafts we make, how we respond to each other, how we respond to the children, how we respond to them, all of that um, is, you know, sharing the gospel with them. And in hopes we cannot just kind of shove it down their throat, nor do we want to do that. But it's all about them asking the questions. In the same way that the young mama that I'm um, helping, certain things are done, and she's like, why would you do that? Why? Why are you doing that? Or the Chick-fil-A, man, at Chick-fil-A, because we had been there so much, and I was buying food for whoever, um, he offered free food one day for people who were helping her start to move. 
And she's like, why would he do that? Well, he does, we do that. We serve because of the gospel, because we've been given so much, and we can give that back. So, thank you for partnering with us as a church. I will also mention we just started a new monthly, individual monthly giving program. So if you would like to hear more about that, if you are excited about what Sparrow is doing, um, we have a program called LIFT. Um, It stands, I mean, it's all about lifting these families so they can um, just get going financially, but also it stands for loving individual families together. And so we are always looking for monthly partners. Um, And I will say that our big goal, we are small right now, it's a pilot program, trying to work out the kinks, but our goal is to open another center in St. Charles County, in St. Louis County, in Lincoln County. We have a big vision. So, thank you. Thank you, Tim. No, thank you so much, Kim. Are you thankful? Absolutely. Kim, we're going to pray for you at the end, too. Thank you. Partnerships matter. Partnerships matter, and we get to join God in what he's doing here and now. And giving and time, it's not a small little thing. But it has incredible, immeasurable results, and that is to fill God's earth with God's glory. And that, that can't happen without us being generous in our partnerships. In World War II, how was the, how was the war won? How did it happen? It happened not just with technology. It didn't just happen because of gutsy bravery. The way that the, the war was won was with 10,000 miles of, of supply chain feeding the allied forces multiple countries working together for one particular goal. And that was to win the war. The mission is way too big for us alone. But man, we get to join God in a massive way in being a generous partner. Treasure and time, talent with presence. Are you generous? Maybe you would say that you're generous in terms of how you give, and I would applaud that. I think that's good. However, are there other areas of your heart that God would call you to and awaken in you to give away as well? And will you answer that? And are you a partner? We might fellowship and hang out with one another. But when, through thick or thin, are you committed to the mission? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, and thank you for meeting with us, and thank you for the distinct privilege and joy and honor of being your representatives here on earth. Um, There's nothing like it on the planet. And we get to follow you regardless of our particular job and vocation. Our primary vocation is to make you known. um, To make known the most generous king ever. 
as you've been so generous with us. We pray that we can just in, in, in fraction, in some small way, reflect your generosity and grace out towards other people for your good and your fame. Would you do this, please? Would you awaken parts of our heart that are hard to relinquish, hard to let go? And would you be the Lord over all of our heart and all of our time, all of our skill? Would we be courageous partners as well, not playing it safe for the sake of your kingdom? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.